Welcome to Seeing Beyond Risk, a podcast series from the Canadian Institute of Actuaries. I'm Chris Bubole, Actuary, Communications and Public Affairs at the CIA. In this episode, we will once again be featuring a CIA member who is working in what we may call a non-traditional area of practice. Dominic Brio is currently employed with Fiegelson Keller, which is a transition planning firm. We've invited Dominic today to tell us a bit more about this type of work and how his career led to this role. So thanks very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Chris. Maybe tell us about your actuarial career before you entered into this current role. Well, I've, I've started my actual career in the early 2000s. I was actually, I would say, a similar career pathway that most actuaries are, which was that I got the benefit of having a summer job at London Life back when I was in my university days. Uh, and through many different things, was hired full-time back at London Life when I graduated. And after that, I spent uh, 15 years there in different pricing roles. So I, I worked in pricing university life products. I worked on pricing segregated fund products. I even did some work on the pension plan for the employees that we have down there. And I spent the last six to seven years of my career at, back then it would have been London Life, Can Life and Great West Life together in the role that we called actuarial marketing, which really the the, the sense of that role was to provide actuarial support uh, to our advisors for the sale of life insurance products and basically being at the forefront of helping train our advisors, train our wholesalers, but also be doing meetings with clients on behalf of advisors in order to help those clients understand the products that they were about to purchase. So maybe tell us about how you made the transition from that role to working for this firm. How did that opportunity come up for you? Well, the, the last role that I had at, the, at Canal Life, again, being a advisor facing role, uh, was basically uh, an opportunity for me to see the sales process, to see what most people in insurance companies don't get to see, which is how products are actually being sold and how products are being bought, which are products that I was used to creating. And the interesting part was through that work, I was introduced to a firm called Feigelson Keller, uh, which was basically a life insurance advisor shop in the greater Toronto area that was doing some very, very interesting work and work that I hadn't seen a lot from other advisors across the country. And through discussions, through work to basically common work on on cases, helping them and so on, they came to see that having an actuary in their shop could actually be value added for them and value added for their clients. And we just, the opportunity came about to basically joined their firm on a full-time basis. And basically I jumped on the opportunity at that time. Now I noticed your company brands itself as a transition planning firm. So can you tell us what that means? And more specifically, how do actuarial skills help with this type of work? Transition planning firm is that the vast majority of our clients, as funny as it sounds, don't necessarily need insurance. It's, insurance is not there in a traditional uh, way. It's that they're basically clients of wealth that are basically running their own private corporations that are running a real estate business or maybe running a tile business. And the intent is on the family business to stay within the family uh, for the future generations. So the most of our clients view themselves as stewards of the family wealth, not necessarily as uh, as consumer of that wealth. So when you put that lens on 
really the planning that we do for clients and the work that we do for clients is really to help them transition the family business from themselves to the next generation. We help them prepare the next generation for that transition. And we help them basically create a process for the transition that is as tax efficient as possible. And when you think about that, the most tax efficient way of transitioning wealth or transitioning basically assets from one generation to the next always comes down to life insurance as being a good idea. But once again, it's not because these clients need insurance in case they get hit by a car because there's enough wealth in the system that that could be handled with. It's actually used for a much more long-term objective than purely a short-term debt risk. Okay, interesting. Maybe you could share with us some of the challenges that you faced moving into this role from a traditional actuarial job. As most people that are listening to this would know, when you're a actuary within a life insurance company, you get to be very, very good and very knowledgeable on the design of life insurance companies, uh, life insurance products, the risk behind the life insurance products, uh, the risk that the insurance companies are trying to manage, the financial reporting that life insurance companies have to do, how do profits emerge, and, and so on. The one piece that as actuaries, we are often lacking in, in that in the sense of helping basically private company clients is we don't necessarily get taught a lot about what corporate taxation looks like for a private company. Uh, what does trust law look like for private companies? Because a lot of our clients will use uh, will use trust in order to manage the passing of wealth to the next generation. Uh, even what does family law look like? Because again, a lot of these families, when the second generation starts looking at relationships and marriages and so on, they always have the view of trying to protect the wealth against a potential divorce in their next generation and and what are the family laws what does the family law say and what are planning opportunities around that so the biggest challenge while leaving the life insurance company was as funny as it sounds was to broaden our my knowledge and my expertise into being a lot more than simply a life insurance expert and being able to talk about every single piece of of the day-to-day life of private company owners that they get to see and that actually matters to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I certainly remember from my days in insurance, we, we, yeah, we did definitely did understand the product side, but beyond that, how it was used and the different applications, you know, that sometimes that was a bit of a mystery. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, what you've learned about the insurance sales process specifically that maybe you didn't know or, or perhaps didn't appreciate uh, back when you were working for an insurance company. Yeah, and, and the funny part about that one, Chris, is I'm going to leave out of that of that conversation kind of the general planning around the client. And I'm going to go on misconceptions that I had from being in head office and actually seeing the sales process and and things that I never really appreciated. So the first one is, and as funny as that sounds, again, it's surprising. When a client signs a life insurance application, a head office will perceive that as the client having decided to purchase life insurance. But in the reality of it, that is far from being the case. Uh, most, especially in the high net worth market, when a client signs an application, all they have agreed to is to go through the medical testing to see if they're insurable or not and to see what the numbers could look like. 
and they haven't made their decision at all as far as the purchase of a life insurance product. They've just decided to explore it. And that that is the one surprising thing that I've seen over the past five years in being in being out in the field. The second surprising part is, and that may not be as surprising for actuaries that work at life insurance companies, but people don't think about insurance. Like they really don't. They don't think about life insurance. They don't want life insurance. They feel that buying life insurance is a waste of money, that there's better ways to invest their assets themselves than to buy life insurance. Uh, so it takes like the, the role of the advisor is clear, is very, very critical in the sales objective of life insurance companies, because more and more I'm, I'm seeing the reason why people are saying that life insurance is sold and not bought because no client comes in, especially in a large case market, basically coming in to see a life insurance agent saying, I need insurance. That just doesn't happen. Insurance is something that is sold, that is that is basically proven to the client where it fits, that is proven that it's a it's a it's an intelligent decision on their part beyond to help them with all their family objectives, to help them with their business objective and everything else going forward. And the client decides to proceed based on that. But the client will always be reluctant at first because they will always think that insurance is a bad idea. And the last piece that was surprising also from a sales process, especially in a large case market, I was expecting clients to want to understand everything they had to understand in regards to the life insurance policy or what they were about to purchase in order to make the decision to actually make their purchase. And that's turning out to be quite false. Most high net worth clients basically look at the purchase of life insurance the same way as they look at any business deal opportunities that they have going forward, which is they have their list of questions so that they understand the risk. They have their experts, their accountants, their lawyers to drill down to make sure that there is nothing flagrant that basically obviously wrong with the proposal. But at the end of the day, the client will make their decision based on the relationship that they have with the people around the table and whether they feel comfortable that nobody's trying to take advantage of them. And if they feel comfortable that that's the case and that the proposal makes sense for their accountants and their lawyers, they will proceed and they won't necessarily try to understand everything they need to understand in order to make that decision. And that I've always found quite surprising from business owners that their capacity to make quite important decisions with what I would consider not necessarily to be all the facts in front of them. And that is one surprising outcome of this journey of the past five years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that certainly is a different perspective. Let's wrap up. Can you give us some advice for somebody who would like to do what you've done, which is make a similar career change and move into something that is, you know, non-traditional actuarial work? The very cliche part that I, that I could say is, and, and we all know that the CIA has made many presentations about it as well, uh, and trying to emphasize the need for actuaries to work on their communication skills and communication skills, not just day-to-day -day communication, but business communication as well. And that is a must in what I do. We have to be able to sit with a client and be able to understand what we're being told, even though what we're being told is not black and white, and be able to talk to that 
client in a way that they will understand. Even though we are talking about stuff that we are expert in, we can't be having an expert conversation with a client. We need to make it so that the client understands what we're talking about. So in my mind, I know that when I was offered my role in actuarial marketing services back at CanLife, I hated doing presentations. I always hated doing presentations. I never felt I was good at them. And I had a, a, a business leader that basically told me that he said that he believed that I could be a great presenter if I decided to work on it. And I took his advice, jumped with both feet, and basically went and did my first presentation a couple of weeks later and built my skills from there. So I guess my, my one piece of advice to actuaries that are looking to expand their knowledge or expand their skills is don't be scared. Like if you have an opportunity to learn something new, even though it's not actuarial in nature, go ahead, jump with both feet and try it out. The worst that can happen is that it doesn't work out and you move to something else. But if you don't try it, you'll never know. Oh, that's great. Couldn't agree with you more. So thanks once again for uh, joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Chris. It was a pleasure. Great. We now have over 100 episodes in our podcast series over the past three years, so we certainly encourage you all to subscribe, and you can do so through whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. We'd like to hear from you, so if you have any suggestions or episode ideas, you can send them to podcast at cia-ica.ca. As well, we're always looking for content on our Seeing Beyond Risk blog, so if you have some ideas you'd like to share, please contact us at seeingbeyondrisk at cia-ica.ca. Until next time, I'm Chris Fuboli, and thank you for tuning in to Seeing Beyond Risk.